you are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. Thank you, Amelia. And how's it going, A's fans? Welcome to episode 324 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's episode, I am talking about the A's four to nothing win over the Angels. They just keep beating up on the Angels, and it's a joy to watch each and every time these two teams face. And then a little bit later on, I'm talking about the lineup construction with Starling Marte, why I think that this is the best lineup that the A's can put out, uh, especially, you know, facing uh, righties and all that stuff. And then in the third segment, I'm going over a couple of the big moves that some of the contenders have already made. Uh, The deadline is today, so we will find out what the final moves are, but I'm going to go over some of these moves and say why I don't know that the Houston Astros are necessarily a significantly better team right now with these moves that they that they made and then also uh the moves that the yankees made to bring in joey gallo and anthony rizzo two big household names but does it impact the A's? so i'm going to go over all of that stuff for you guys here on today's episode but before i get to any of that stuff this episode is brought to you by spotify green room download the app and join me this week on sunday at game time to get in on the action also make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you like hearing podcasts follow us on social media at locked on a's on twitter and instagram i am at by jason b on twitter and in the spotify green room app and if you guys have any questions for us please send those to locked on athletics at gmail.com and a little bit of new news I am now uh, one of the affiliates from FOCO. They have a bunch of cool sports memorabilia. So if you want a little bit of sports memorabilia in your life, follow the link in the show notes from FOCO.com. And uh, they got some some really cool stuff there. I posted the brand new Stomper bobblehead that looks really, really cool. I liked it a lot. Uh, I got the direct link for it in the in the Twitter feed for you guys, or you guys can follow the show notes and uh, find it from there. So uh, that that's a new thing. So uh, go, go buy things if you want to. I am definitely going to be stocking up because they have some nice Christmas items. So I'm very excited about that. But let's get into this game. Let's not talk about uh, shopping for Christmas items just yet. Let's talk about the A's four to nothing win over the Angels. And this win pushes the A's to 58 and 46 on the season. They gained a half of a game on uh, the Houston Astros. The Astros did not play on Thursday. And then Seattle also did not play. So the A's gained a half a game on the Seattle Mariners. And they are now two and a half up on Seattle. They got the Yankees three and and a half back. They've they've got some teams, you know, on their tails a little bit, but with the moves that the A's made, we'll we'll see what happens here. But let's talk specifically about this game. And it was a Frankie Montas game, and I'll talk about him in a second. But let's talk about that first inning because, uh, and this actually leads nicely into the second segment, which is the lineup construction, because that's something that I tweeted about before the game, and then it uh, all came true, and that was wonderful. Uh, but it was only good for one inning, and then everything else was kind of like, eh, it was fine. They got a couple of hits. But uh, it went hit by pitch for Mark Canna, and then a walk from uh, Starling Marte, new edition 
finish in Starling Marte, who was very, very solid. And then Matt Olson followed that with a walk of his own. And uh, then the bases were loaded. And then we got a ground out from uh, Jed Lowry. None other than Jed Lowry, always an RBI machine. And then we got that big, big double from Ramon Laureano that kind of made the whole inning worth it. So the A's were up three to nothing. And then they added a fourth run on a seventh inning throwing error from Jose Quintana, trying to pick off the runner at first for no apparent reason. There was two outs and two strikes. And I don't know what he was thinking, but it worked out for the A's and that was great. So uh, A's win four to nothing. Everything's wonderful. And uh, before I get into Montas, I want to talk about two hitters that stood out. One, obviously Starling Marte. He was fantastic. He had two hard hit balls in this game and he also had the hardest hit ball by any A's player in this game at 106.6 off the bat. And this was the flyout that he had in the second inning, third inning. Um, the, the one that went 383 feet and looked like it, it went to the warning track. It was fantastic. And he was smiling about it. And that was great. I love the energy that this guy brings. And I'm very, very excited. He looks great in green and gold, by the way. And dude is ripped. So, uh, Really like the addition of Sterling Marte after one game. And then uh, the other guy is Mitch Moreland, which he's he hasn't had the stats in the second half, but it feels like he's hitting the ball a lot harder. And uh, he, he kept that trend going in this game. He had three hard hit balls. And again, uh, hard hit balls are 95 miles an hour or above. So he hit the ball hard and uh, he went 105.4 and that was in the first inning. That was the error that was committed. And uh, so that didn't count as a hit, obviously. And then he had another one in the fourth inning that was 98 miles an hour off the bat. And that was a fly out. That one went like 373, I believe. Um, so again, not quite the distance for a home run. If he had pulled it or, you know, hit it straight down a line, it would have been a home run. It wasn't. Um, and then he had one in the eighth inning. It was a ground out, but it was 104. 0.2 off the bat. So I think swing plane is his thing. His timing is there. His, and that is always the big thing. Get the timing right. The swing will come. And so are we going to see the next version of Mitch Moreland? We will see. And am I kind of trying to speak this into existence like I have with Ramon Laureano, who's been on fire since I talked about his slump. And Matt Chapman's been okay since I talked about him. So is it is it me just trying to get Mitch Moreland in the mix too? Kind of, kind of a little bit, but he's also been, you know, hitting the ball fairly hard. So let's go, Mitch. Um, but let's talk about Frankie Montas because in this game, he went seven innings pitched, gave up only three hits. He went seven shutout frames. I should have said shutout frames. He didn't allow a run in this game. He walked three. He struck out 10. He was absolutely fantastic. And he's had three starts against the, uh, I was going to say Anaheim Angels, the Los Angeles Angels this season and in total in total he's gone 19 and two-thirds innings pitched given up 14 hits given up two earned runs he's given up six runs total four of those were unearned uh, and he got the loss in that game so that did yeah <laughs> defense uh he has also walked five and struck out 25 guys in that 19 and two-thirds so yeah he's been doing really really good against the los angeles angels of anaheim mickey mouse club um and the the reason that he's been doing so good at the last few starts and especially on Thursday night against the Angels that splitter and if you've heard me do a crossover on this show before I say to almost everybody that asks so what's Frankie Montas about and I'm like if his splitter is working you guys are in trouble because that is his pitch and he has been legitimately using that pitch uh last night he threw it 38 percent of the time I believe it was his most used pitch and 57% of the pitch or the splitters that were swung at were missed. He had 57% whiff rate 
on his splitter. So 13 of 23 that he threw were whiffed on. And that means that it is a very, very tough pitch. You can't do anything with that pitch. And so when that thing's working, he's going to be great. And it was working and he was great. So there you go. But also not to be outdone his four seamer, because if you think about it, they have the same, uh, if you, if you know anything about tunneling, it's when the balls travel the same uh, distant, you know, the same uh, plane towards the plates, and then they just diverge. So if you if you follow Pitching Ninja, you see the overlays, and it's like, how do you hit that? That's what I assume is going on with his splitter and his four-seamer on Thursday, and they just keep traveling, and then the splitter just darts, and they're kind of just guessing. And because, because his four-seamer, he threw... Uh, a bunch of them. That was his second most used pitch. And 64% of the ones that were swung at were whiffs because seven out of 11 swings were whiffs. So he was doing very, very good with just working those two pitches off of each other. He's backed off a little bit on the sinker, but he's been throwing a slider about the same. So it's basically a little bit less sinker, which had been his big pitch. It's still his main pitch for the entirety of the season. But this start last night, it was the splitter, and uh, I'm sure that you're going to be hearing a lot about that splitter if he keeps this stuff up, because uh, it is absolutely lethal. I love to see Frankie Montas doing good things on the mound, because I like seeing him pitch, and I speculated aloud, which... Uh, you know, it's trade deadline. You want to be right about something. And I don't know why, but the thought crept into my head because he was at 97 pitches after six and they threw him out there for the seventh. And I was like, why? Uh, not because he'd been pitching poorly. He'd been pitching amazing. And you obviously want to keep him going and, you know, limit the bullpen usage and all that stuff. But the bullpen is a little bit better now. They've been pitching fairly well. They've only had two games this week. Why not let the bullpen finish the last three? I don't know. Uh, and my, my main thing is, uh, the starting rotation has pitched a lot of innings this season because they've been so good for the most part. You know, there's been some blowups. Frankie has had like three big blowup starts and that hasn't been helpful. But uh, these guys are, are not used to throwing over 150 innings. And even after last season, nobody threw more than 80, I don't think. So um, it's how much are they banking on their starting rotation, holding up and being healthy? They said on the broadcast that the same five guys have been starting each and every day for the A's since May 9th, I believe was the date, May 9th. So uh, yeah, you see a lot of other teams dealing with starting pitcher injuries and the A's have avoided that, but are they playing with fire if they don't bring in another pitcher and is throwing Frankie Montas out there for a seventh inning when you don't necessarily need him to kind of just testing that fire as well? Uh, I I'm a little bit worried about that. Hopefully they go out and get just another guy. Another guy would be nice. Maybe they got, you know, AJ Puck and they feel like he's ready. Maybe they got Dalton Jeffries. They feel like he'd be an okay guy. But I think that if after you trade Jesus Luzardo and you go get Starling Marte and you go get Andrew Chafin, you're kind of pushing your chips in. So you, you don't want to necessarily bank on Dalton Jeffries coming in and being amazing immediately because not all rookies are built the same. Vlad Guerrero Jr., best prospect that we've ever seen, struggled for two years. And now he's now he's amazing. And now he's going to win the, oh, he, he'll finish second in the AL MVP uh, ahead of Olsen. And so he's just ruining it for Olsen. But um, that, that's my point is I think that these might need another arm, you know, and then you could switch. You, 
limit some guys innings is all I'm saying, because you're going to want them fresh for the postseason. But maybe they're like, hey, let's just go until the wheels fall off and hopefully the wheels don't fall off. And maybe that's what the plan is. But um, anyways, that's all that I got on that. Hopefully they're making a move is, is all that I really want to say. Hopefully they're making another pitching move. And it doesn't have to be they could go get like a Mike Miner type. And I'd be happy with a Mike Miner type just because you got another uh, that extra veteran arm in the starting rotation. That's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for Jose Barrios. I didn't, they weren't going to get Max Scherzer, but I wasn't looking for Max Scherzer. Give me just a guy that'll eat some innings. That's all that I want. Get, give me somebody who will give me five or six innings on a consistent basis and give up three or four, whatever, because this A's offense is amazing. And I'm going to talk about it here in just a minute. So stay locked in with Locked On A's and I'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar in the galaxy, and that is Built Bar, my friends. And Built Bar has so many delicious flavors. There's something for everybody. And when you talk to somebody who has had a Built Bar, they've seen a, a wrapper for a Built Bar, they know which one they want because the, the wrappers are amazing. They taste great. And uh, if you haven't had one, you're kind of missing out. That's all I'm going to say on that because they are amazing protein bars. They taste like candy bars, and they are absolutely great for you. Here's... Here's just what to expect in a built bar. You're getting 17 to 18 grams of protein. You got a calorie range from 130 to 180, usually on the 130 side. And then you got four or five grams of sugar and only four or five grams of net carbs. They all, they're all amazing flavors. They're all tasty. They're all healthy. And if you don't know which one to try, then you can always just get a mix box. And then you get two of each of their core nine flavors. And then you can just kind of pick and choose from there. Which, which bars are your favorite? So, to get some of these bars, all you got to do is go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you're like hearing podcasts. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm by Jason B on Twitter and in the Spotify Green Room app. If you guys have any questions, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So let's talk about the A's lineup construction for the first game with Starling Marte, because I thought that it was very, very interesting. And I mean, we, we did see Ramon move over to right field. That is something that I kind of kept to myself. I, I may have sent out a tweet about that at some point where I was like, before Marte even, I was like, I know that we need a right fielder, but if we can get a center fielder who's also just as good, could Ramon actually be good at one of the quarters? Could that be something? And that's what they did. Ramon, uh, According to reports, Ramon said, hey, I'll, I'll move over to right field, play him in center. He's amazing. So that's what happened. And uh, good job, Ramon. That's fantastic. Uh, teamwork makes the dream work and all that stuff. So you love to see that from just a bunch of nice guys that the A's have. The A's just have so many nice guys. And before we get into uh, Starling Marte in this lineup, I just want to point out this thing. Uh, and it's I feel like this is going to be one of those uh, summer romances from the movies where it's like, oh, yeah, we, we fell in love and then we can't m imagine our lives without each other. And then it's going to lead to heartache in the offseason when he signs somewhere else. But uh, we get we get him for a couple of months and then hopefully a postseason run. So this should be a lot of fun with Starling Marte. But uh, if you watch the game, you know what the lineup was. But I'll run it through the lineup real quick and then just uh, kind of drop in on certain parts that I really liked about the lineup and why they all kind of work in concert with one another and why I think that this is a pretty good lineup considering who the A's have and what they have. And uh, you can't just drop Judge and Stanton and Gallo and Anthony Rizzo and be like, yeah, I don't care which one of them hits in which order. This 
this works fine. The A's kind of have to be a little bit more strategic with their lineup, and uh, I, I like what Bob Melvin did in writing this lineup the first day out. So uh, leading off, you had uh, Mark Canna, then you had Starling Marte, followed by Matt Olson and Jed Lowry. Then you had Ramon Laureano, Mitch Moreland, and then the seven through nine, you got Matt Chapman, Sean Murphy, Elvis Andrews. And I know that Elvis Andrews is probably the weak link to a lot of you guys. Uh, he's been okay. He's he's struggling a little bit more of late, but I'll get to why I kind of like him in the nine hole. And I think that we all kind of like him in the nine hole. It's when he's in the two hole that I think that uh, some people were not necessarily excited about that, myself included, but nobody was stepping up in the two hole. Now you got Starling freaking Marte in the two hole, and I love this lineup. Let's talk about it. Um, obviously, we all know about the on-base percentages of both of these guys, uh, Mark Canna and Starling Marte. They've been fantastic this season. Starling Marte actually had the the uh, on-base percentage above 400, which is great. He's hitting over 300 on the season, which is also fantastic. And I've seen some people respond to my tweet about the lineup uh, just being like, well, why not have Marte hit ahead of Canna. He has the higher on base. He's a faster runner. Why would you do that? And also he he grounds, he puts the ball on the ground a decent amount. So why would you have Marte hit second instead of leadoff? That seems a little bit fishy, but uh, here's my reasoning personally. And that is Mark Canna is great at getting on base, but he hits like 256. This is according to before last night's game, but he was hitting 256 before the game. And uh, that's good, but he relies a lot on hit by pitches, which he, he, he let off the game with a hit by pitch and also uh, walks. That's how he gets his on-base percentage up into the 370, 380 range right there is uh, walks, hit by pitches. It's not like he's... Uh, putting the ball in play at like Marte does. And that's why I like Marte in the two hole is because if Canna gets a walk or a hit by pitch or just a single, if he gets on base, then Marte can, you know, he can also walk. He can also get hit by a pitch, but more often than not, he gets a hit, which is great because he's hitting 300. So every third at bat, he's going to get a hit if he you know keeps up at that same pace. And in that, in that situation, you could move Mark Canna from, first to third or first to home in the, in a, in a gapper or, you know, more options are there for you on the table. Whereas uh, if Marte let off with a double and then Mark Canna got hit by a pitch or walked, then you got first and second as opposed to first and third. So it's all about 90 feet for me, or it could be uh, 90 feet both ways and you can get a double and then you got second and third or however it works. Uh, I just think that Mark Canna being a more walk and hit by pitch guy uh, is where I draw the line right there and where I think that Starling Marte is doing more damage in the two hole personally. And I mean, you're not going to go wrong, I don't think, but you could flip them if you want to. This is just my personal choice. And I know that uh, either if either one of them gets on base, that's a good sign for Matt Olson because he's going to have RBI opportunities and that's fantastic. And that leads me to Elvis Andrews batting ninth because if he can just shoot one to the right side and get get a single and then Mark Canna walks or uh, does whatever to get on base and then Marte does whatever to get on base, then all of a sudden you got the bases loaded for Matt Olson. And I like that. I like that a lot. And uh, I think that that's something that Elvis Andrews is pretty decent at is setting the table from the bottom of the order. So I like that 9-1-2 combination a lot as well. Uh, and then you got Matt Olson. He's the best hitter on the team. He's fantastic. He has power and he's been hitting too many solo home runs. So I like that he's going to have guys on base ahead of him. But even if he strikes out or does something that's, you know, uh, not what you necessarily want, he makes an out without getting the run home. Then, then... 
you get Jed Lowry, who's hitting 386 with runners in scoring position and has a 451 on base in those situations. So you have the right guys. The top four guys right there are the guys that you need to really succeed. But then the second half of this lineup, you got Laureano, who's been on fire lately. He had two RBIs in that first inning and kind of set the tone for the game. And then the A's kind of stopped scoring runs. But, you know, that's beside the point. Uh, first game with a new guy in the lineup, it's fine. They got the win. They shut the other team out. Sure, it was pitching, but 4 to nothing, I'll take it. Um, and then Mitch Moreland, he's hitting the ball a little, little bit harder. He's in the six hole right now and not in the four hole. You're not relying on Mitch Moreland as much. But if he does something, that's amazing. And he has the potential to be a very nice bat for these out of the six hole. So I like that a lot. And then you got Matt Chapman. Obviously, Matt Chapman gets going. Oh man, 789 is gold. And Sean Murphy, he'll run into balls. I like that. 789 with Chapman, Murphy, and Elvis Andres. It's not necessarily like uh, you have to pitch around them, but they're still dangerous. And I like that. I like this lineup a lot. This just looking at this lineup makes me very, very happy, and I can't wait to see what they do over the next uh, couple of months because th this could be a legitimate postseason lineup. Uh, they, they, each of these guys can do damage. So you got to set the table, make sure that you take advantage of those opportunities, which is what the A's did. And I know the last couple of games, they've benefited a decent amount from just, just some sloppy defensive play, but the A's are now taking advantage of those sloppy defensive plays. And that's the difference that I've seen the last two games. I know two game sample size, you throw it out the window, but maybe there's something to the guys just washing off in the oceans of San Diego and getting just some, some nice karma going their way because the ball has been bouncing a little bit more favorably the last couple of games. So uh, I like seeing that just a little bit. It's been a lot more fun to watch the last couple of games than like the previous uh, month and a half. So that's all I have to say about the lineup. That's why I like this lineup. It looks like it's a winner. It looks like it can actually do some damage. We'll see if I'm right or if I'm wrong, but they've got a bunch of guys with proven track records and uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. And I know in the trade deadline or the, uh, the Starling Marte trade episode that I did, uh, the last episode that's in the feed before this one, I talked about his high BABIP and he could be a regression candidate, but there's some other regression candidates that I'm going to talk about and uh, they went to Houston. So let's talk about them here in just a minute. So stay locked in with Locked On A's and we'll, uh, we'll dunk on Houston for a few minutes. Today's episode is brought to you by the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your sports action, and that is Bet Online. Baseball season is in full swing. The trade deadline is this afternoon at 1 p.m., so get your popcorn ready, everybody. And you can track all of the action over at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, the NHL, the NFL, and all of your UFC or MMA action. Uh, you can place a bet on anything. You 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 have a favorite Olympic sport? Do you like trampolining? Because that's something that you can place a bet on at Bet Online. Who's going to have the springiest springs? Bet Online. So before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online or your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams add those final pieces to their rosters for a playoff push. So head on over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. And that is why everybody says that Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. 
Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts, mainly the one that you're listening to us on right now. That's a good podcast platform for you. You can also follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter and in the Spotify Green Room app. If you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Before I get into slamming the Houston Astros and their trades, the MLB trade deadline is approaching. It's this afternoon. And the Locked On MLB YouTube channel will be streaming the Hot Stove Live. It's going to be two hours of MLB trade analysis from our Locked On lineup of local experts. Not me, but you know, the big market teams like the Yankees, who are also getting money in their deals. Ken Rosenthal. And uh, yeah, nobody's uh, making a big deal out of that. Oh, look at the cheap Yankees who were pushed up against the luxury tax. Meanwhile, the Dodgers, 275 and not a care in the world. Anyway, subscribe to the Locked On MLB uh, YouTube page and tune in July 30th. That's today at noon Pacific. Uh, it says 3 Eastern. I'm saying noon Pacific. That's an hour before the deadline hits and they'll be recapping whatever has happened and then going into details with uh, whatever happens, you know, at like 1.15. So it should be a lot of fun. I'll probably tune in, but I can't join myself uh, just because I got other, th- other things to do. So uh, I apologize, but I also don't expect the A's to do a lot. So I'm not really that salty about them not being like, hey, Jason, you want to be on this? Because uh, they booked like the Pirates and the and the Rangers. They booked the seller teams. And uh, so th- it's really going to be fun watching these guys cry on camera. So uh, if, if you like that, make sure to subscribe to the Locked On MLB YouTube page and watch because it'll be fun. But uh, let's talk about the Astros and them adding Kendall Graveman. And I talked about it on Tuesday's episode, I believe, where the Seattle Mariners had that huge come-from-behind victory in the bottom of the eighth inning. Dylan Moore hit a grand slam. It was fantastic. I was very excited. I didn't know which team to root for. I ended up on the Mariners' side just because the Mariners are cool. Um, And also, not a fan of Houston. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so yeah, big, big win. Emotional victory. The team was into it. The announcers were into it. Everybody was stoked. And then the very next day before the game, they traded their closer Kendall Graveman to the Houston Astros because that's the thing that you do when you're a game out in the wild card. And it looks bad in the moment, but since then they've also uh, added Diego Castillo from the Tampa Bay Rays. He's actually pretty decent. And uh, they've also added uh, Abraham Toro in that deal from the Houston uh, in the Kendall Graveman deal. So uh, they've, they've made some nice pieces that are going to be there for a few more years. And uh, so they've, They've added some length to these contracts, and that's kind of what you're looking for if you're a Mariners fan, I think. But let's focus on the Houston Astros and what they got, and that is Kendall Graven. He's an 082 ERA on the season, and he's been absolutely dominant. He's been really, really good. But here's why he's a candidate for regression, and that is because he has a 2.88 FIP, which means that is how he's been pitching, but he's been getting bailed out by the defense a little bit, and that's why his 082 ERA is so low. And that doesn't make any sense because the Seattle Mariners have the 23rd ranked defense in baseball, but apparently they've been absolutely amazing for Kendall Graveman, so good for him. Um, this may not mean anything because Houston actually has the fourth ranked defense, so maybe, maybe he's going to get, you know, have like a 1-5 ERA or something like that, but, or maybe he's going to have to get up to that 2.88 FIP and he's going to pitch like a a league average pitcher the rest of the way. We'll see. And I did speculate about this in, in jest on Twitter where I was like, hopefully he's a mole 
and he, he's a he's a deep Oakland plant via Seattle, and he's going to be there to tank the Astros season and get them out of the playoffs. That's my hope for Kendall Graven on the Houston Astros. Uh, and also one more thing on Kendall Graven. He has a 176 BABIP. League average on BABIP or batting average on balls in play is 288. So he's a full 100 points below league average on that. And uh, is that skill or is he getting extremely lucky? If you look at the FIP compared to the ERA, you got to say luck. So I'm expecting some regression from Kendall Graveman in the second half of this season. And so, yeah, he's a good piece, but is he going to be, are they going to have a, a nice eight, nine combo? I don't know that they they have that shutdown bullpen that they think that they might have right now. And that brings me to Yimmy Garcia, who is also acquired by the Houston Astros on the same day. And uh, he, he's been okay. He's been league average generally with the Miami Marlins, but he's been helped a lot by his defense and the defense behind him. So same sort of thing, regression candidate. Is he going to be good enough to be a difference maker in Houston? Here are just a few of his stats. This season, he has a 347 ERA, so about a half a run better than league average, I would say. But his expected ERA is a half a run above that, so it's a full run above what his actual ERA is, and that's 464. So that's not good. That's not what you want. And his baseball savant page, he has a little bit of red, but not a ton. His fastball velocity, red. His fastball spin, red. Curveball spin, red. Uh, that's it. And then he has like a mildly red chase rate. Uh, that's in the 57th percentile. So he's okay at getting guys to chase, but his average exit velocity, 14th percentile. So if you can touch him, you can crush him. And you love to see that max exit velocity doesn't necessarily matter because you give away one really hard hit ball and that tanks your season. So I don't necessarily pay attention to that. The X slugging percentage though, ninth percentile. Expected slugging, ninth percentile. Barrel percentage, 23rd percentile. These are not great signs for him. Whiff rate or whiff percentage, 50th percentile. So it's not like he's getting guys to whiff a lot, and he's also average exit velocity 14th percentile. So he does not seem like somebody who's going to be having a great, great time facing uh, the American League as opposed to facing guys in the NL East where, yeah, it's it's not as big of a run environment. And that's what I've been you know trying to uh, say for the last couple of episodes. And I, I'm not big on Yimmy Garcia, is what I'm saying. And uh, RM Layton, the host of Locked On Marlins, had been offering Yimmy Garcia to me for uh, a couple of months, and I did not want him. We'll see what happens, but I'm not huge on Yimmy Garcia personally. And then they also got Rafael Montero from the Seattle Mariners, who they had just DFA'd, and he had been absolutely horrendous for the Seattle Mariners because they DFA'd him. They didn't feel like he was good enough, and now he is on the Houston Astros 26-man roster. And when I filled in over at Locked On Mariners, I I had to go over the the Rafael Montero DFA news, and uh, here's what I said about that. In his last four appearances, he had given up multiple runs. In seven of his last eight appearances, he had given up multiple runs. He has a 311 batting average against on the season. He has not been great. He had a 727 ERA and a 164 whip. Uh, he'd been pitching like Jesus Luzardo, the one that the A's just traded to get Starling Marte, but he doesn't have the prospect pedigree, so I don't know that he had that same kind of uh, trade cachet. And so, obviously, the Houston Astros have a knack for turning pitchers around. Garrett Cole, a bunch of others, you know, Charlie, uh, Charlie Morton, who's still been good, but 
How much of that has been spider tack or other grip substances? Can they do it again? That's going to be the challenge. And if they feel like they can and they got, they've unlocked something and they see something with Rafael Montero and Yimmy Garcia, and then they just don't touch Kendall Graven, then, then maybe these moves look really, really good. But from previous stats, they don't look like these are the guys that are the win now moves. And I know that they're up against the luxury tax. And I've been saying that might be the benefit for the A's is they have room. I mean, I don't know how much money they will spend, but they are not constrained by finances except for the constraints that they put on themselves. So if the A's want to make one more move before the deadline, they've got some time. I don't know that the Houston Astros can really make another big upgrade right now unless they go out and get Craig Kimbrell. And uh, you feel like they would have done that already if they were going to. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm not super, super stoked about the moves from the Houston uh, front office if I'm a Houston fan. I'm like, yeah, they look okay. But uh, again, they like to work magic over there. Magic with a little bit of sticky stuff. Um, and then lastly, just on the Yankees real quick, I know that they added Joey Gallo. I know that they added Anthony Rendon. They haven't been playing terribly well all season. They're due for a hot streak and their lineup looks scary, but outside of four games against the A's, it probably will not impact the A's at all, at least in the sense of a head to head fashion, because the A's could hold on and keep the wild card spot or take the AL West or do whatever they want to do. And that would be great. And then they probably would not have to face the New York Yankees uh, because, you know, Houston be right there. And then you would assume that the either the Rays or the Red Sox would be the other wild cards or the Yankees would not be in the wild card slot uh, or the Yankees overtake the A's because they have this uh, better, you know, uh, conglomeration of big dudes that swing hard. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see, but um, I don't know that it's going to have a huge impact on the A's in this season. Maybe, you know, it, it makes a bigger impact next season, but I don't think that it's going to have a huge, huge impact unless they just run off like 20 in a row or something like that, because the A's still need to keep winning games themselves and they can't just rely on the teams behind them just falling off a cliff and not doing well. Like they were kind of hoping that the Mariners would do. They, they need to keep pushing, make another move, go get Richard Rodriguez or, you know, somebody go get one more piece and then uh this team this team if they get hot they can can contend with just about anybody so i'm excited about that and just uh one last thing on joey gallo and i saw this online from mike petriello of mlb.com he does the Statcast stuff the nerd cast on espn2 all that stuff and he said that uh and it was a good point. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, basically, Joey Gallo is not going to be helped by Yankee Stadium because Joey Gallo hits bombs and uh, he he doesn't need that short porch. So uh, sure. Yeah. Put him in Yankee Stadium. That's fine. But it does not matter for Joey Gallo because Joey Gallo hits 460 foot home runs, not 315 footers. So uh, thanks to Mike Petriello for pointing that one out and making me feel a whole lot better about that Joey Gallo situation. Uh, he's an upgrade defensively for sure. But uh, how are they going to fit all their outfielders? I have no no idea. And I can't wait to watch them try and figure it out because uh, it's going to be a mess. So it'll be lots and lots of fun. Can't wait for the rest of the baseball season. This is when the season gets going and I can't wait to be here with you guys each and every day. So make sure to subscribe to the Locked On A's podcast, wherever you like hearing podcasts um, and follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am a by Jason B on Twitter and the Spotify green room app. And uh, at some point, at some point, we will have that YouTube page. I don't know when it's coming, but I, I, I will be 
sharing my face with you and trying to look into the camera because I look at the microphone a whole lot. So it's going to be a fun, fun show. So uh, when, when that comes out, I will definitely blast that on social media for you guys. So if you guys are interested, follow us on social media. You will hear about it for sure. Uh, but that's all that I got for you guys today. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, Oakland, and I will talk at you on Monday.